Welcome to Authentic Learning, a podcast that looks to explore the evolution of schools as they try to stay relevant in today's rapidly changing world. My guest today is Chris Thompson. Chris has been a member of the Green School community since 2009 when he, his wife Joe, and their two children, Chayton and Chinoa, moved to Bali from Singapore to experience Green School. In that time, he has gone from being an engaged parent to being Green School's managing director and a member of our board, and back to being an engaged parent, all the while exemplifying Green School's mission to create a community of learners by always being involved in our community's learning journey. Whether he is mentoring students for their quest and Greenstone projects, being an active member of parent association meetings, giving a tour of the campus to visitors, helping our teachers identify learning opportunities in the wider world, or sharing articles on progressive education with everybody, Chris has been a tireless participant in our community of learners. Before joining Green School, Chris served as Vice President of Electronic Arts. He sat on the advisory board of Abu Dhabi's Media Development and Education Group with a focus on helping them to develop their media industry at all levels as they move toward their 2030 plan to diversify away from petrol-based revenue. Chris has also served as director of Hubud, a successful co-working space in Ubud, where he always looked for avenues to include our students in the many exciting learning opportunities happening there. Great, nice being here, Glenn. Thanks. You got it. So I'd love to get started by by asking you to share your thoughts on, on what makes an education authentic. Well... This, the education model that we're dealing with right now, I think, is completely inauthentic. I'd even argue immoral. And um, the reason for it is because the education model isn't set up for the children. The model is set up for a system or to be a feeder into a working system or to other things. So what makes it authentic is when any education system anywhere starts with the child. And everything revolves around the child, begins with the child, and ends with the child. So at any time within a classroom, you should be able to freeze a classroom and ask any child within the classroom, what are you learning and why are you learning it? And the child should be able to say, oh, I'm learning this mathematical equation because I want to be an architect and I need to understand how things bend and how things shape. And I would bet... In most educations, if not almost all education systems, if you stop the class and ask a child why they are doing that right now, they'll say, I don't know. And that's a disconnect. And as long as it's a disconnect, it's inauthentic. Yeah, fair enough. So you you made a big move. You and your family a big decision to move to Bali to come to Green School. What was it about Green School that inspired you to do that? Did you, did you see something that might change that mold? Yeah, well, I think there was probably two parts to that. One was that I'd spent almost 25 years in the corporate world, Silicon Valley company with video games, very intense, long hours, and I started to lose my passion on that. And I was exploring different things and looking at different things, particularly within the, with the, in the education world, but really, really casually. And we met this guy one night over dinner, and I'd sent my wife some information about the thing that this guy had started, and as we're coming home after that dinner, my wife, Joe goes, hey, let's go there. And I'm like, where? She goes, let's go to green school. And that guy was John Hardy. And so 
he was really inspiring. And we didn't really talk much about green school at all. We talked about all these other topics. And we wanted a different experience for ourselves, but we also wanted a different experience for our children. So we packed up, moved to Bali just to be here for one year. <laughs> and now it's uh, eight years later and we're still here. And really for only one reason, it's because our two kids, Chayton and Chinoa, just love being at grade school. That's what keeps us here. Wonderful. And I think that's, uh, that's a big early win, I think, is to, if the students like being here at school, then you're halfway there. Half the way. So I, I want to ask you, what is it, once you got here, you immediately got super involved in the community, just involved in GSPA discussions, involved in this and that, and quickly became our managing director what was it that inspired you to get so involved? So when I came here, I just I wanted to support our kids and support the school. And we came here in the third year of the school, and it was pretty chaotic. And you, you, you're, you've been an educator here since the very beginning, and you know. And But we loved everything that we saw. So even though we know that there was frustration and pains, and there was parental frustration and all these different things... We saw the beauty and the opportunity that existed with this place and the experience that, that, our, that our kids were, were having here. And so I just enjoyed it, enjoyed what the school was doing, and I was philosophically aligned with what the school was doing, even though I did not really have an academic background. And I'd spent time just volunteering for things and assisting the school, joined the board, became chairman of the, the board, and then we were looking for a director, and then the school asked me if I'd be interested in becoming the director for the school, and that was completely out of the blue. But it was it really was a nice alignment of, of, of intentions of, of moving towards something that, that what the school needed and what I was interested in doing. And uh, so it was a whole bunch of different pieces that kind of led to that. Wonderful. And, you know, one of my favorite things about Green School is that it truly is a community of learners, that our teachers are, are happy to be learning alongside our students, and we're happy to welcome our parents into it. And you look at traditional education, and it seems like the role of the parent is usually maxes out at homework help. Um, what do you feel is a bigger, more important role a parent can play? Or do you feel there's a more bigger role important that a parent can play in the wider school community? Yeah, well, I completely believe, and I'm a parent, yeah, we have a role and a responsibility. And we, roughly, you kind of hear, oh, it's 30% school, 30% parents, 30% peers. I think the parent equation is more than 50%. And let, let me let me kind of explain why. You know, you, you have your kids in the morning, you have the kids in the evening, and if you're not engaged with them in the evenings and, and in the mornings when you're there with them and there on the weekends... They're just going to move over. They're going to be moving towards their peers. They're going to be moving towards technology. You know, if we think that they're getting everything that they need during the day just from the teachers and from their peers, we're really, really fooling ourselves. And so every moment that we spend with our kids is an opportunity. It's a great opportunity. I mean, each take, think of like each hour that you have with them as a, as a math opportunity or a learning opportunity. And so I actually... Having spent time working at the school after five years, my meter sort of increased more significantly about how valuable and important the role of a parent is. And we still see it so often. We still see parents pointing the finger at the school, pointing, pointing at, you know, saying, oh, you know, why aren't they doing this? Or why aren't they learning French? Well, you can teach them French too, 
you can teach them math too. You can go and have an experience with them. And so, yeah, so I, it, there is a balance, but parents, you know, we have to fully take responsibility for it. And we have to be strong supporters of what you guys as teachers are doing here at the school. And I, I still think as a community, we don't do enough of that. Great. And you mentioned technology, and I'm glad you did, because I wanted to ask you more about it. Your background is in technology. And I, I still think we fight that at school. Uh, technology these days too often gets filled up with social media, and it has such addictive qualities. And, but it's so important part of today's world that you can't ignore it. So I, I'm curious as what you think technology, the role technology plays in an authentic school education. Well, I think, you know, I like the school's general approach to technology is that, you know, really there's not a lot of technology, as I understand it, until you get to middle school and high school where then there's a requirement for a laptop or a tablet and you have it. And, and I like that. And I think there's a tremendous role for technology. I mean, I remember a few years ago when, when my daughter was four and my son was eight and we were sitting in bed here in, in Bali and we were talking about the planets and the stars and stuff like that. And they had a question about um, the International Space Station. And we were talking about it. I said, well, let's go see where it is. And like, well, well, how do we do that? And I, you know, I pull up Spacewalk on my iPad. I aim it at the sky and we find out and I'm like, oh, there it is right there. I said, you can't see it, but it's right there. And then they said, oh, what's that next to it? Oh, that's Venus is behind it. And they're like, well, why can't you see it? And so technology, to me, is the great democratizer of education. I think it is so powerful from an online learning point of view with, with companies and programs like Udacity and Coursera and the Khan Academy, and it allows anybody to have access to anything. But there is another side to it, and I spent a long time in this, in the, in the entertainment technology part and video games and things like that, and it was a great creative side to that, but there's also a black hole to that particularly with online gaming. See, because there's no end to online gaming. When I started out in the video game industry, you know, a good game was like a good book. It had a beginning and an end of 20 hours or 30 hours, and then it was done. But now these games are endless. And so so we, instead of kind of saying, like, why, why, why are they doing it? You know, we need to kind of understand, you know, how can we be working with our kids to be kind of getting them away from it? And what I mean by that is I know at any time if I go and engage with my kids, they'll stop the technology, they'll drop it. If I want to go play a football with them or swim with them or go to a movie with them or do something with them, they'll almost immediately drop their technology. And so, again, I don't think we as parents, we, we don't take enough responsibility for our own role because we say, oh, just five more minutes, I have to do this. Oh, I'm working. Hey, if I don't do this, you're not going on your party this weekend. And we use it. We, we create this, this peculiar dichotomy with technology. So what we need to be doing is just saying like, hey, you know, when we come home at night, no technology. No technology at all. We're just off of it, and then we live with that. And so, but I think there is a beauty to technology about what it is able to share with people from, from around the world. And just quickly with social media, you know, the Me Too movement would not have been successful if it was not for social media. And so I, these are things that if students here are able to harness this power, I think it is really, really incredible. Yeah, I think I've, I've heard a term to use them as a tool rather than a crutch, right? Like it's a Swiss Army knife. It's not a chainsaw, yeah. right? 
Um, and so, yeah, I agree with you that, that social media has a, a great role to play if used properly. And uh, your other points are too are wonderful. It, you just can't hide from technology these days. We, we have to know what it's all about. So you mentioned earlier on some things that we should look at going forward at Green School that we could do better. And you have a long history. You've been through its ups and downs. I'm curious as to what you think. Like, what are, Where is our potential five years from now? What are the things we should look to do more of, do less of, introduce? Yeah. So, you know, to me, the, 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 the parallel to this is when, when people are saying, when we're younger and we're graduating from school and we say, oh, I want to go travel to every continent in the world. I want to travel. I want to have new experiences because then I'll be able to better understand myself. I'll learn about the world and then I'll find all the answers. But what we all know once we've done that, I mean, those are great experiences and we do want to travel, but really the, the answers are always with us. And that journey that you need is not going to another continent or another country, but it's this journey within, right? This, this self-reflection. And I think interestingly enough, that is green school's issue right now. And, and let me try to explain this because I don't mean, don't want to sound too esoteric and ethereal, but the basis of Green School's model of learning that was started by, by Alan Wagstaff in the Three Springs was a, a holistic learning program authentically addressing the spiritual, the emotional, the kinesthetic, and the intellectual quadrants of a child, right? And most people know that Standard education is only addressing the intellectual quadrant. It's a transfer of information. It's a regurgitation of information. And holistic, whole, is really looking at the whole child. And if this, this spiritual connection is very powerful because it's this, I believe, that as students go through their education process, they are moved away from being perfectly balanced beings to just moving up into their intellectual quadrant. And then when they get out, they're told, okay, you know, now you'll do well because you got A's. Now you just have to go get a good job because if you get a good job, then you'll make money and then you'll be happy. And then they're not. Well, what's the problem there? It's because they have disconnected from their spiritual self who and what they truly are. Okay, now let me pull that back to green school. I don't think green school's opportunities are necessarily more green schools, although I totally support that. I don't think green school's opportunity is more cutting-edge education. I think Green School's opportunity is stopping and looking at what it was originally designed to do, which was holistic learning. And we do portions of it. You know, we do meditation. We do self-reflection. I think the, the review and the grading process that are done with kids, not even giving grades up until they're in high school, I think it's it a wonderful thing. But I don't think we do enough of this, of this spiritual exploration. I still think it's a little bit too topical. And I think this is the one thing that we need to, to go deeper on in a little. And I'm not talking about Ubudian spirituality or Berkeley spirituality, which they're both fine. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of joking, but I'm not mocking it. You know, how do we really get the kids to understand who they are and being comfortable with themselves? I mean, genuinely and authentically, because then when they go out into the world, they'll be comfortable with themselves. And then when they're making a choice between a job that's going to pay them 60000 and 30000 they'll take the $30,000 job, job because that's what's going to make them happier. When they, when they make decisions, they're listening to that voice inside with them, that spiritual connection inside of them, that really, that is their authenticity. 
So we've t- you've raised this point of authenticity so many times, and this school should be about finding the authentic child and letting them be. And so we have so many amazing, wonderful pieces to the school. And we have amazing teachers, you know, from Leslie to you to even Nicola to Emily to Pac Jerry, and now I hear Joel is coming back, which is fantastic. And and so we we need to stop and pause and look at this very, very deeply as to how we move away from the intellectual quadrant and more so into the spiritual quadrant. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful point. And that's one of my favorite things about what we have done when we look at sustainability is is we've broadened that scope out and we've brought it to self-sustainability as well and, and a real good focus on and how it really starts with yourself, right? You take care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually. So I, I do agree with you wholeheartedly that that's work for us to do and a direction for us to march and where we can be leaders. And, uh, and it's my belief we're, we're walking that direction. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, it's thanks, been a Ryan. pleasure and, uh, we hope to have you on again and, uh, keep up all your work sharing with us and, uh, and bringing all your wonderful projects this way. Yeah, well, thank much you. appreciated. It's nice being on here today and thanks for all the work you're doing. So. Sure.